Hey, everyone. Looks like you got John tonight. And uh, I think Derek's trying to join us. He's having a little bit of technical difficulty behind the scenes here. Yes, John, can you hear me okay? Yeah, we got you there. Yeah, I'm not sure what's going on. I've got uh, I've got my microphone, but I don't appear to have any uh, camera tonight. Well, that's probably a relief to those people out there. Oops, looks like Derek dropped again. Let me see what I can do here with the buttons. Are you back? I, well, I think I'm back. <laughs> How's it going, John? I've got you really quiet. Maybe a listener will comment whether or not uh, you really are quiet to the real world. Hey, Jason, seeing you're out there, uh, let us know if you can hear me or not. Of course, Jason. I always use Chrome. I am I on Google Chrome as well. You might not have the latest update. You know, it did this to me last week where it didn't want to find my camera, and I just kind of restarted my computer. But seeing we were well pushing uh, it so late tonight, I uh, wasn't able to. I know we're uh, a car podcast, but that's what Bill Gates designed. When it breaks... You just turn it off and turn it on. Oh, exactly. hang on just a second. Derek, entertain him. Um, okay. Uh, what am I supposed to entertain him for? Why? I have no idea. Well, hopefully everybody's having a good week. John just got a text message. Very important. Oh, the Probably dog just the... got a bath and the dog was uh, <laughs> trying to make her uh, objections noted. Ah, yes. So, Derek, if we go by, uh, let's see here. We're going to have a great topic tonight, kind of something we can debate a little bit, um, because nobody knows what the answer is. What is an American car? We all know what the answer is, John. Everybody knows the answer to all things. Well, according to all my information, uh, the only American cars out there are really Teslas. Left That's Darryl's. probably right. That's probably right. <laughs> I was Left trying Derek's to think speeches. if I was I was trying to think if Rivian would count or not. Well, I guess there is Rivian out there now, but yeah, they don't count. <laughs> Why don't they count? I don't know. They because they won't come on the show. Here I am, lived in Bloomington, normal for years, lived just down the street for decades, and no, they won't call me back. Well, that might actually change, John. Rivian, I'm talking to you. That that might change. I, I have some contacts, and well, one of those contacts. I've got a couple people got the trucks in order. I got a I know a couple people that have the trucks, and I know a couple people that are really waiting for the SUV. And I know someone who works there. And a and lot of are, good that's done us. We are working on the details of how to get him on the show. <laughs> So what do you think of that, John? And the reason you don't know that is because we just talked about it the, just like a day or two ago, and I haven't had a chance to talk to you. Oh, okay. Uh, because you never ahead. answer my text messages, John. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your non-existent text messages until like two minutes before the show. Yeah, those. <laughs> oh, I don't suppose you had a chance to listen to former guest Tony Watley's podcast this week, did you? I actually listened to it on the way to work this morning, John. I have reached out to Tony, trying to get him on the show. It was weird. I'm driving along yesterday morning, and I. Tony and I have been talking about getting him back on the show, and I finally clicked on how I want to bring him back and what angle and promising him we won't try to get an hour worth of free business advice out of him because his time's freaking expensive. Exactly. Um, exactly. And I came up with that idea, and then like two hours later, his podcast downloaded, and I had to listen to it right away. I thought it was a phenomenal podcast. Um, So in my email to him the other night, Maybe it was two days ago that it was two days ago that I listened to it. Um, I've asked, requested permission to see if we can actually play that podcast as part of our feed one night. So. Oh, very nice. Well, and I'd like to get him back on. Um, you know, because I if if you haven't heard the podcast, uh, the Tony's three sixty five driven. Uh, uh, episode number 170, I believe it was, uh, about cars and, and business and, and things like that. It's, it's very interesting, as John says. Uh, but I, I would love to get him on the show, even if it was like the episode after we you know play that or, or even snippets of his episode. Because, of course, Tony likes, you know, Tony, um, it's a one-man show. So there's not a lot of uh, discussion. It's just kind of Tony giving his advice, which is often fantastic advice. But, you know, he talks a lot about performance cars because that's the genre or the, you know, era that he is or the particular uh, style of car that he is most interested in. So I think it would be a little bit of, of fun to have him on the show and, uh, you know, banter back and forth a little bit about, you know, uh, our interests, um, with him in the car world. So, you know, antique cars, which I know he doesn't know a lot about, but, you know, kind of bouncing that, okay, these are, you know, what he talks about with performance cars and how to buy those. Yeah. Well, what, how do we apply or look at that at the antique level, um, you know, John, your whole, you know, mini truck world uh, that we know you love so much. Um, I'm working on places. I'm working on a couple of mini truck experts, too. So <laughs> I've got a lot of emails out. Like I promised I got a lot of emails out about um, interviews. Tony's actually been on twice. Episode 70, where we talk about his book, Side Hustle Millionaire. And we had him on on 129, where unfortunately, and I really hate it, we got way off track and uh, I say, and I've told him, I felt like we abused him for um, business information and uh, that will not happen again because I want to have him on to get his take on performance. Um, Tony owns uh, Deviate Motoring, which is a aftermarket um, company um, providing a lot of wheels and high end, um, items for uh, the aftermarket. 
Um, he doesn't do anything knockoff in that. And he, um, he's got a solid take on it. Tony's original um, business that he made a big chunk of his money on. He came from the oil industry, but he made a big chunk of his money with the um, LS1 Tech Forum and sold that for multiple se uh, seven figures. And that was kind of his role, or that's what got him rolling. And he understands performance. And I want to know, you know, every car can go zero to 60 in two seconds now, effectively. So two, two seconds isn't a big deal. 11 second quarter miles aren't a big deal. Or are they? And I would just want, you know, Derek and I's feeling on this. And you kind of know Will, Will's feeling on this. I want to bring an outsider in who actually sells parts to this industry and see how he feels. And I really want to reach out to a couple of these. Um, there's a company out there that uh, performance tunes uh, Teslas. Actually, there's a couple of them, but some of the oldest. And now they're beginning to get into Rivian and things like that. So that, I just wanted to say, if you haven't listened to Tony Watley's po podcast, go check it out, 365 Driven. Um, and he really... Um, we're trying to get him on the show to talk about that. And, uh, Derek and I'll give you a full analysis on another show. If we can get permission to play his show on what we think about it. And Derek's having potato chips right now. No, actually that was just ice sloshing. Oh, I needed a, I needed a good cold glass of ice water tonight, John. Oh, uh, Randy Pierce is suggesting John barefoot. I'll have to check him out on that one. Um, Tony did say something. This is I found humorous, and I'm going, "Come on, Tony, you're you're kind of pulling a chain here." He was talking in early on in his podcast about his driving ability and that he could lap a lot of trucks tracks faster in his pickup truck than some people can in their sports cars. You know what kind of pickup truck Tony has there, Derek? Oh, yeah, he's got the uh, new Ram, uh, what is it, the TRX, is it? Yeah. yeah. He's only got the Hellcat Ram, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so it's not like he's doing it in a 77 Ford F-150 Custom. But he probably still could lap faster than some people in their sports cars in one of those. Oh, exactly. But what's your bitch of the week, Derek? Oh, that's a great question, John. As I say every week, can it just be people? Because some people just suck. But well, People are people. How can it be? Yeah, exactly. I get along so awfully. Yeah. No, Randy, we're not going to make SEMA this year. Uh, Will's going to be there. Um, I'm not making SEMA. I don't think Derek is. No, um, no, no. I just realized recently that I need to get out and rejoin the freaking world. That, you know, that COVID thing slid through and I just haven't started to get out and doing a lot of stuff. I, I think like we just, we got all so, we, we all got so complacent in the routine of, you know, if we, if we still had to go to the office, go to the office, come home, don't do anything else, go to the office, come home, don't do anything else. And yeah, I think I was, I've been thinking about that for like the last week. No, you at least got out, went to old car fest festival in the Detroit Concours. Hell, it's been. Yeah, I'm I haven't even made back. it to the Saturday morning, you know, cars and coffee locally in a while, and I keep meaning to and keep meaning to and um, might might make it this Saturday. I don't know. 
got to get out there and start play. Just get it out in the world. So, mm-hmm. But so you don't really have a bitch other than people. Well, I was going to, com- you know, b- b- complain about all these people that just aren't going out and doing stuff and they're just staying in their house and they're just hung up on COVID. But, uh, you know, I don't want to ruin the mood for the evening. So. Well, that's kind of like I say, I I, I like sitting here and I, if you knew my list of things to do. Um, Actually, I do. It, 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 I, I do have a a, a gripe of the week. It, it, it's something I've griped about long, long ago on the show because I remember it because I got all worked up over a, a video that Haggerty put out. But uh, at the Detroit Concours, I, I heard it again, and it it bothers me because I, I feel that it is a, a common uh, – what's the word I'm looking for here – stereotype that has been associated with museums, specifically automotive museums for uh, way too long. And it's, it's a, in my opinion, selfish take on museums, uh, which is, I, I overheard someone at the concourse saying that, uh, isn't it, isn't it great that uh, this, these cars are in private hands and, you know, they get to to get out and be seen by the general public, unlike if they were locked away in a museum. And that is the exact, that is the exact opposite purpose of museums. Museums are five hundred one c three nonprofit public institutions. They are known as public trusts. They are there. The vehicles are on exhibit most of the time for the public to come in and see and enjoy. And even if they're in storage, you can request, you can send in requests to museums to be able to see the vehicles in storage. Most museums will grant that. It might take a little work to schedule it and do those things, but we make them accessible. Private collectors, private collectors take their cars out to shows once in a while and the rest of the time, they're locked up in their private collection, and only their buddies get to go in and see them. It just was, drives me crazy when I hear. Say, that. I was talking with, or I was on. Um, uh, what's his name? What's um, Harley Earl's son that's on Facebook? Um, uh, it's his. It's his grandson. Grandson. Number one. Let's make sure we get that right. It's his grandson, and that's Richard Earl. Yeah, and he was on there, and he posted something about uh, the Buick or the O. The Oldsmobile that sold a couple of years ago for a couple million bucks. The Olds F-88. Yep. And I had made a comment that I thought I had seen that car at um, a Concours back in 0405, right about the time it sold. Uh, and, you know, right next to it, an HHR got crushed by a tree when a storm came through. Well, I went through and actually dug through my pictures, and it wasn't that. It was uh, a Buick very similar to it. And I'm trying to think. I don't think, do we know where that Oldsmobile really is? I th- yes. I think it's in a museum on display, is it? It's it's in, um, it's at the museum in Colorado at the big resort. Um, and I'm uh, completely that museum's blown. That museum has went broke and shut down. Oh, then how long ago? I'm wondering if they're planning to auction it off. 
I don't know. It, um, it was brought up in the comments at that museum. Somebody said, oh, that's where it's on display. And somebody had commented that that has been closed and uh, was in receivership. Ah, so, then it will wind up going to auction again. And probably end up in private hands. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at Hendrick's car collection. And the only people I know that ever get in there is the local Corvette club on their yearly tour. And you can't go with them unless you have a Corvette. So I guess it's available for you if you've got 50 grand, give or take for a Corvette. So, Or you can go about, go out by a C4 for like five grand and just tag on maybe. <laughs> You're not going to make it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Put it on your trailer. <laughs> take it behind your TRX. You didn't have to. Yeah, you don't have to drive it in. You just got to show up with it. Well, if it's like the British Car Club, when you go on drives, you um, you, know, you have the MG in the garage and you show up in your Mercedes SUV <laughs> to go on the drives. <laughs> uh, what makes a car American? Absolutely nothing. That's where I'm going to. That's the stance I'm going to take tonight, John. Absolutely nothing. Is it? Because I got to thinking about this leading up to tonight. And I know there's all the people that are going to sit back and be like, oh, well, you know, it's got to be a Chevy or a Ford and it's got to be built here in America. And they're the only American car companies there are. But if you really want to think about it, And yes, there have been a lot of automobile manufacturers from very early on that pretty much everything was made here in America. Same thing over in Europe and everything. They They were getting all their raw materials in. But it was as early as the 1910s that Ford Motor Company globalized and had production facilities all almost all around the world. It was it was really at that point that no car, I mean, you know, Mercedes was importing cars to the U.S. for the wealthy. American car companies were ripping, literally ripping off the Mercedes design, famously the American simplex. They were just copying the Mercedes simplex. And it just, I really got to think about it. If you really want to get picky, I I mean, it's been since the earliest days of the automobile that things have really been global and shared globally. And, you know, everything is is in some way, you know, copied or, um, you know, designed off something else. People talk to me about it all the time and they say it's it doesn't matter where the car's made. You know, your Chevy pickup that was made in Mexico, it's still an American car because the money goes back to Detroit. Um, but is that a Toyota pickup or a Tundra? 100% of the production's made in Texas, but that's a Japanese car because the money goes back to Japan. And roughly, um, I'm seeing if I can actually find Toyota's number. Um, Toyota. Toyota profits roughly are an average 7.29% when they sell a vehicle. So if they sell a $50,000 truck, um, 
what's well we'll round there four thousand dollars roughly thirty five hundred to four thousand dollars goes back to Japan. That other money goes to buy parts for the truck to pay labor. Um, and a lot of those parts are made and sourced from local factories and that. Um, to me, that's just because 7% of the money goes back to Japan, 93% of the money is staying in the United States, to give or take where some of the parts come from. And that's what matters. When you take uh, General Motors... And I lost their number. I got Ford and GM. Where did GM or Ford and uh, Chrysler or Stellantis? General Motors uh, profits 4.66% per car they sell. So, but the money stays in Mexico. 95% of their money stays in Mexico. And when, if we figure half the, the, the money's labor, I think where the, the labor dollars go really to me defines what an American car is, because that's what impacts the economy. That's what impacts the towns in this, you know, the United States, the tax dollars, the spending. If we're sending they just use $10,000 as a rough figure. Um, if we're sending $9,500 to Mexico and say $4,750 of its parts and $4,750 of its labor, $4,750 of it's still going to Mexico and not staying here. Mm-hmm. Where Toyota, on the other hand, we're sending, you know, a couple thousand bucks back to Toyota, but, you know, big chunk of it stays here and that's kind of how i personally define an american car yeah and if you go and look at uh, you know i'm pulling up cars.com right now but most of the lists are pretty much the same but you look at the what most people rank as the the top 10 uh, most american made vehicles so that's you know built in america using as many American parts as possible, right? Yeah, their methodology is location of final assembly, mm-hmm. percentage of U.S. and Canadian parts, parts, country of origin for available engines, country of origin for available transmissions, and U.S. manufacturing employees relative to the automaker's footprint. Yeah, and in that top 10, you've got five American, well, one, two, five American spots, total of four companies you've got the tesla model 3 the ford mustang the tesla model y the jeep cherokee the chevrolet corvette and then the next five four of which six through nine are honda cars and number 10 is the toyota tundra that you just brought up now my my list from cars.com is a little bit different in the top 10 there's four teslas one lincoln Three Hondas, four Hondas, and one Jeep. The Corvette, they say, came in at number 11 on my list from cars.com. Yeah, 
but the funny thing is, if we go back to my numbers, um, Tesla profits negative 11.27% per car. So <laughs> I don't know how you classify that one as. <laughs> well, again, it's, you know, it's not in that case, it's not about the uh, money necessarily, but it's, it's about the location and, and parts that are used. Right. So there's, there's another part of this question. What, you know, what makes an American car? Is it, is it the location of build and the amount of American North American made parts, or is it about the, where the money goes? Yeah, because I mean, technically, yes, being built in America and having the the parts from North America, a lot of the money goes to American and North American companies. But yeah, with like you're saying, if it's Toyota and some of that money is going back to Japan, uh, does that knock it? Which which way do you look at it? Do you do you look at all the money? Do you look at just how many of the the parts and the location? Yeah, what? That's that's the question. What defines that it's an American car? We can make it really easy. Ferrari, Mazda, McLaren, and Tata Motors, which is Jaguar and Land Rover, 0% of their production is American. They are not American cars. So. But now what about uh, Jaguar when Ford had controlling interest in it? Well, Ford... As of the 2022 model year, 70.8% of their cars are defined as American-made. And that's, that's including everything from like Ford and Lincoln. Cars. Huh? That's because they have like three cars, the F-150, the Mustang, and the Well, Mach-E. the F-150, the Mustang, <laughs> the, the Maverick, and the uh, Ranger. Oh, you forgot it, the Mach-E. Oh, yeah. Believe it or not, Stellantis, which is Alfa Romeo, Chrysler, Dodge, Fiat, Jeep, Maserati, and Ram, 72.3% of their production is uh, U.S. Really says a lot about those uh, Alfa Romeo and Fiat parts and Maserati parts of the company, I think. I think that number is going to change, though, because one of the new Chryslers is actually a rebranded Alfa Romeo um, and the rebranded Alfa Romeo is ac- uh, the Maserati is actually a rebranded Alfa Romeo too. One of the Maseratis. Oh, 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 messing with Maserati, are we? Tesla is one hundred percent. They're number one. Stellantis is number two. Ford's number three. Sixty-nine point four percent of this company's sales are U.S. Can you guess what company I'm talking about? Uh, General Motors. Nope, they're 55.8. They're number six on the list. Huh? I said, ouch. (laughs) 69%. Wait, so we already said Tesla is 100%. Ford. It went Tesla, Ford, then Stellantis, right? Tesla, Stellantis, Ford. Oh, Tesla, Stellantis, Ford. And then now we're at the 69%. 69%, the number four. Is that. Is that Rivian? Are they on there already? No, they, they, I don't think they make enough cars to count. Ah, okay. 
Uh, it would be Honda. Oh, Honda. Duh. Yeah. Acura and our Acura and uh, Honda, 69.4. And how about 50%, 56%? They just nudge out GM. Toyota. No. No. Uh, I'm trying to think. Hang on. What are the car companies? This one's there? a tough one. This one's a real tough one. Goshen. What? I gave you a hint. Goshen. Yeah, like Goshen, Indiana? No, like the name. Renault Nissan Mitsubishi Alliance. Oh, 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 oh. Wow. Okay. 56% General Motors. <laughs> of course, they only sell like eight cars. So the only got to do is build five of them here. Um, General Motors. Subaru comes in at 54.7. BMW. Um, which is the BMW Mini and Rolls-Royce, 52.8%. Um, and that's because they build all their SUVs in South Carolina, I believe. Mm -hmm. Toyota is next at 47.5%, uh, Lexus and Toyota. So. And I did look up, so I had it in front of me, the reason... Um, BMW builds their SUVs here. Nissan builds their trucks, their pickup trucks in Indiana. Toyota builds their pickup trucks in Texas. Um, is the chicken tax. And the chicken tax goes back to 1964. This is why Volkswagen doesn't have a pickup truck here. You know, they make this wonderful, you know, pickup truck sold everywhere else in the world, but it's not sold here. This is why when Ford builds Transit Connects, every single one of them comes over with seats in the back. And then those are removed and sent, the seats are removed and then sent back so they have cargo vans. It's the same reason mattresses are done the same way. And I believe mattresses um, come flat packed. Some, one of them comes flat packed and they just actually finish the assembly here. But if... Your vehicle is not assembled in the United States. There's a 25% tariff um, on it. So it would automatically raise the price of your vehicle 25%. And it's the original order slapped a 25% tariff on potato starch, dextrin, and brandy, as well as light trucks. So... And All because was, of the um, chickens. That was an executive order by President Lyndon Johnson in retaliation for European tariffs on American chicken imports. See, I told so you. Because, because they, of the they put a tax on our chickens going to Europe. Um, the chicken tax, the 25% tax is, um, was put on. However, the chicken taxes went away on our chickens, but we've still leave the chicken tax in place on the, the, the vehicles and brandy and such. Oh yeah, we hold we hold a grudge, man. Well, you do know the government gets a bill every year from um, England for the tea that was destroyed and lost at the Boston Tea Party, and we ignore paying it. Exactly. What is the compounding interest on that? I wonder. God only knows what that bill is. I wonder. 
I'm seeing if this will come up since uh, we don't want that dead air out there. What what's coming up? What? I'm trying to find out uh, if there's some I can figure out what that bill actually is. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Jason, you bring up a. Uh, 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 kind of a, a similar point uh, with the Lotus v, uh, cars, but not quite the chicken tax thing. Uh, Lotus with the uh, Caterham situation and the uh, Lotus 7 and Super 7 was actually just that the uh, English government decided to implement tax on kit built vehicles as well which they hadn't been doing and so colin chapman got uh smart and rather sell than selling them uh as a kit that had an assembly manual which was part of the new tax law that they would come with an assembly manual he sold the cars with a disassembly manual and you basically just had to read the book backwards to put your car together actually uh, that is uh incorrect thing what happened is lotus at the time published a magazine called lotus and sports car and if anybody would like a good chunk of the collection i have it for sale in that magazine they published an article on how to disassemble your um lotus 7 lotus didn't officially ever supply a manual either way with their lotus 7s hmm. that's interesting that's not what a couple of the books say We'll have that discussion, John. Well, keep in mind, the magazine was published by Lotus. Ah, so maybe it's a, okay, it's a uh, semantics thing. Okay. And pay attention. Have you ever seen the disassembly manual from Lotus? I've never looked for one. I've never been able to find one. Okay. Well, anyway, they published, let's put it this way. They published the way to disassemble the cars. Is that a better way of phrasing it? Yes. Okay. And uh, that's how they got around that. And then eventually, you know, Caterham figured out that, you know, if they were to be able to buy the rights to the seven and uh, keep it in production after Colin decided to uh, end production of it, they would, survive so that's how we wound up with caterham and yes john i'm paraphrasing a lot of this and making it short but uh yes randy that is why the hilux is not allowed in the um uh the hilux i believe gets here through mexico and some sort of importing regulations but it's not technically imported by toyota to the u.s if i understand that right um I have to look into the tire plant thing. And yeah, uh, Jason, Colin Chapman was a, um, I want to get Clive on the show, so I really don't want to say it, but clever. He was kind of a con man. He was very, I don't even want to say that Colin Chapman was a genius in that he totally believed in, I, I live by kind of the same practice. The rules tell you what you can't do. They don't tell you what you can do. Mm-hmm. And that's what he always looked for. He looked for that loophole in the rules where they said, you can't do this, but you can't. it doesn't say I, you know, this is what I can do because it says I can't do this. 
uh, coming to a culmination with the uh, Lotus 80 and its twin chassis design, which the FIA approved right up to the final formula or the first Formula One race of the 1980 season. And I think that's when Chapman lost interest in cars, when they banned his brilliant design that he spent millions of dollars coming up with. And then they changed the rules to prevent him from running it. Well, that's the, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of the, the general practice in, especially in racing. And that's where Colin found his, his passion is that, you know, the rule book's simply there to tell you what you can't do now, what you can do. It's always about finding the loopholes and the ways to, you know, make your car the better car without, well, most of them without breaking the rules. So we've covered the chicken tax. We've covered kind of defined. It's kind of fascinating to me what makes an American car an American car and how things actually break down. Uh, how things break down. Is that a pun, John? Most American-made sedans. After Tesla, the Chevrolet Malibu is the next, and it's number one, two, three, six on the list. So spots three through five are Japanese or Korean. TLX, Kia K5, and the Honda Accord. Which really gets me the K5 is, I guess this isn't sales. Because the K5 is basically the Stinger with a slightly different line. And the Stinger was a horrible had horrible sales, partially because of it's one of the most expensive cars to insure. Uh, most American-made sports cars. There's three cars on this list. The most American-made sports car? Huh? Did you say the most American-made sports car? Sports cars, but there's sports three cars, right? Three. Well, the Chevrolet Corvette. Yeah, that's the only sports on car there. we make in this country. Yeah. Um. And then let's see. Does one of the Alphas fall on there? Seeing they were so high on the list. Nope. Ah, dang. Hmm. It's kind of All simple. Right. You got You're me. overthinking it. Probably. And it, if you're going to do this and classify these as sports cars, then there should easily be four on this list. Oh, God. Chevrolet Corvette, Ford Mustang, Ford Chevrolet Mustang. Camaro. Ah, those aren't sports cars. Exactly. The Challenger's not on this list. And if you're going to put a Mustang in a Camaro, why isn't the Challenger? And I believe the Challenger's American-made. It's clearly they don't yeah, make the Viper the, anymore, Jason. They don't make the Viper anymore for yeah, but it it would have been on the list. Yeah, it probably would have been tied with the Corvette for percentage made in America. I would think pretty yeah pretty close. What's uh, Corvette? Corvette's running in the what high sixty percent of parts now. Do you, do you, do you have that in front of you or not? Uh, no, I don't. Um, I can probably see. Look it up. Uh, 
I, I want to say the last time I, oh, it's actually up to 72%. Yeah, 72%. I think the last time I remember looking it up and, and you know, thinking about it, it was at like 68. So it's it's bumped up. In 2014, the Viper was named number 10 on the most American cars list, meaning 75% or more of its parts were manufactured in the U.S. Boom. Tony talks a lot about the Vipers on that episode. Well, Tony has his uh, toys. And unbelievably, his numbers are pretty accurate on the Viper market there. So do you think being... Um, I don't know what... From what I understand, Randy, from some of the people I've heard and talked to, R34s are coming over. So he's saying that even though it just became 25 years old, they still aren't allowed in the U.S. Hmm. I can't imagine that they wouldn't still be allowed in the U.S. I mean, once they're at 25 years old, I don't know... I don't know of anything that would keep them out of the country. Now I'll, I'll check with one of my friends that's deep into Nissan's and find out about that. Um, because I was just talking conversation about Lotus Elise's now that the S one Elise is available to import. Mm, yeah. And there were a lot of people years ago on Lotus Talk that were buying them and storing them until they became of age. So there's a ton of these Series 1 Elisa's going to hit the shore or start hitting the shores because the 96's became eligible last year. So, And those are the fun Elisa's. And if you want to talk about a small car... Yeah, you know, we have a an Elise at the uh in the collection at the lane. And that is a that is a sports car. I mean, it's it's Lotus, right? So it 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 follows kind of Collins' uh, belief in, you know, as lightweight and simple as possible. Uh but man, I'll tell you that is a that is a stripped down car. Uh I am amazed at that car and and how basic and bare bones it really is when it comes down to it. Um, but great styling and fast. (laughs) It's, it's a, it's a pretty, pretty impressive car. Um, but then walk across the museum and take a look at your Lotus seven. It's kind of very similar. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, it's, it, it follows the Colin Chapman, you know, uh, belief. And it, it, it's just, it's, it is, it is amazing. The, the cars that that company built and still builds to this day. I mean, they're, they're incredible. Now, if you see a new Amira, you, they've kind of, they've done what, I accuse the Viper of doing the Viper and Gen 1 and Gen 2 are the cars to have, in my opinion. By Gen 3, they started to become Corvettes. And the Lo- the Lotus well, Amira is the same thing. And you can almost say the Lotus Evora 
you know, yeah. they start more and more creature comforts and more and more creature comforts. And it's not, it's not the lo way Lotus was, and we'll never see Lotus the way Lotus was. They've got to make, you know, they got to make money. So, yeah. Now, and really, I mean, I you look at heard the... that they are busting or cracking down on a lot of skylines that were imported prior to the 25 year rule or be prior to them becoming 25 years old and people getting fined, if not having the cars impounded and crushed. I don't know if your friend falls into that. And if you don't follow every piece of paper, dot all the I's, cross all the T's, um, you can get in trouble too for still importing something 25 years or older. It's not really, you can fly over, buy something, say in Italy, that's 28 years old and put it on the boat as carry on luggage or something and bring it back with you and drive it. Right. Right. There's there are a, lot of, a lot of rules you've got to jump through. And I I've read a lot of skyline R34s and R35s are in violation of a lot of the import rules. Um, as a matter of fact, we were supposed to have a guest a year or two ago on the show that got out of the business because of the way they were beginning to really crack down on this 25 year old stuff. Um, he got into crypto and um, still been very successful at it. Uh, most recently moved to Puerto Rico to avoid income tax. <laughs> so I don't think we'll be having him on the show, but he did. He was a importer for years and been talking to him and knowing him. A lot of skylines came over incorrectly. So mm -hmm. I don't know if that's your friends. I don't know story. Um, I don't know the details. I've never imported a car 25 years or older. I uh, doubt if I ever do. I'll wait for somebody else to bring it. And then when they go to sell it is when I would pick it up. Mm -hmm. I did want to say, Derek, I did read the Haggerty article that included uh, Jeff and uh, Lotus 7 and the Caterham Series 3, which is what I used to own. And I can't remember what the third car was as they did some sort of drive. Um, was it in Nashville or something? But there was a Haggerty uh, article where, you know, Jeff yeah, just was, outside uh, of um, huh? outside. Of, yeah. They went just outside of Nashville. So, yeah. That, I hate articles like that. Cause I really, really at times wish I still had my caterer. There's other times I'm really, really glad I don't, but yeah, they had the, um, Oh, they had the, oh God, what, what two did you already say? The K, the Caterham series three and the Lotus seven. Yes. And they took the Elise. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it was a, uh, it was a newer Caterham though. It was a Caterham and a Caterham, wasn't it? Uh, actually, I'm looking at the pictures now. Yeah, it was the, the, um, 
the Elise, Extreme your Elise, Zestful. your Caterham Series Three. No. Yeah, and I think that's somebody else's. Yeah, and it, the, other the, that was a Lotus Seven that was built by somebody for their father, or her, their father built right after his wife passed away. Yes, yes, yes. So the only the low the the lane cars were just the um, the Cater our Caterham Seven and our Elise. Yeah, and your Caterham's in blue fiberglass. Uh, blue. Yeah. The fiberglass is blue and then polished aluminum. Yeah. That's what I had polished aluminum. And then I had a set of green and a set of blue fiberglass for my car. I, I lean towards blue. I think when I finally sold it, it was still wearing the blue fiberglass, but I'd switch it every now and then. Hey, Dana, what's up? Uh, not much. No. Um, I was going to say, I, I did a little bit of, uh, working on the backside of the website um, last week. And um, we change our pitch here a little bit that if you're finding uh, any value in this show, and if this podcast is even entertaining to you, if you would like to make a donation um, or you'd like to give back, I do have links up now for um, Patreon and um, buy me a coffee. I had a couple of people say they'd just rather give us money every month than not have to worry about buying us a cup of coffee every now and then. So those links should be up and active. There's a couple different tiers on the Patreon, not a lot of money. There's some gift backs there that you don't get with the, the coffee side. So check it out on, a, you know, nodrivinggloves.com. And am I supposed to bitch about something? Yeah, I think it's your turn to complain, John. Yeah, what was I going to bitch about? Dead air on podcasts. Huh? Dead air on podcasts. Well, that's really not a driving thing. Unless, of course, you're listening to your podcast while driving. I thought um, we agreed a couple okay. episodes ago that the bitch didn't have to be about automotive I was driving out to the lake house Saturday evening. Um, You have a, you have a lake house now. uh, Yes. And nice. And it was Saturday was gorgeous here. I was going out Saturday afternoon before the Alabama game, go out, meet Brandy and watch the game there. So I had the sunroof open on the mini, the windows down cruise control set at the speed limit. Well, Speed limit's 55. I got it set at 57 because I know there's a two-mile-an-hour error on my car um, or cushion. 65, I set it at 67. So I'm buzzing along like that. And, I mean, I set it at 67, and then when we come to a 55, I push the button five times, and that drops at two miles an hour each time right to 57. Come back to 65, five times up, back to 67. Slow down, make make my turn, get on this side road that takes you kind of where the, the way to the dam and stuff is. And the goes through two small towns, heavily, heavily patrolled and a lot of police presence. You know, they're kind of speed trap towns. Speed limits are 45 and 35. I set the, the cruise 45 on the nose. Buzz along, get to 35, same thing. Five but- clicks of the switch back to 35. Five clicks of the switch back up to 45. 
And when it goes back up to 45, I'm only on the road for about another three quarters of a mile or so. And I come to where I got to make a right turn. And the whole time I've been on this road, I've been tailgated by a guy in his F-150 pulling a trailer. And I turn my turn signal on, you know, because he's tailgating me. I don't want to just all of a sudden slow down in front of him. And then I begin to brake a few seconds later, and I start to make my turn. And this guy then decides to, he's going to pass me half in my lane, half in the oncoming lane with oncoming traffic and honk. And I have to say it took all my willpower not to decide to not turn and decide to go straight um, and let him figure out how to solve the accident issue. <laughs> so um, it just, it's the speed limit, dude. Excuse me. And I'm going to say a naughty, naughty word, but fuck you. I'm following <laughs> I'm following the speed limit, um, live with it. And I did everything to the letter of the law. If I wouldn't have signaled, if I would have slammed on the brakes to make my turn, you're justified. But that pisses me off. Is it? I guess it pisses me off overall because, and I'll say it here. I drive a lot every month. I get paid by the hour. So it doesn't, make me any money to drive faster than the speed limit. So I honestly try to drive 70, 72 on the interstate. That's damn near impossible at times. Mm -hmm. um, I try to drive 55 when I'm on two lane back roads going small town to small town. That's damn near impossible at times. It irritates people, but I feel I'm okay. So Next week, Derek will probably bitch about these people that cling to the speed limit religiously. Exactly. But, That's my plan. But they're there. You know what, John? People that hold the speed limit, they're un American. They are just <laughs> un American. Well, that's why I drive a mini. It's German. There you go. Built in England. I was going to say, is it German or is it English? Which is it? Well, it's owned Where by is German it from? That's, that's the, that is the question tonight. Where is the car built? What? What nationality is the car? I'm not sure who Randy's agreeing with. <laughs> I'm not sure either. It's a I'm safe way to go, though. You just say you agree because, you know, then you don't have to. For some Dude. reason, you're still really, really quiet to me. Oh, am I quiet again? Yeah. You is this any better? Back from your microphone. If I just eat the microphone, is that better? That's how it's supposed to be done. Oh, okay. Well, some weeks, if I try to eat the microphone, it's too loud and you complain. Other weeks, I don't eat the microphone and it's too quiet and you complain. Oh, Randy was agreeing with you, Derek. It's not American to there the speed go. limit. Oh, Jason. <laughs> it's Bavarian. So true. So true. Bavarian cream. That's the best freaking donut in the world. Anyway. Well... Go get in your Bavarian car and drive the speed limit, John. Well, I think we got to just about everything on the uh, old list or the, the news briefs, but I don't think I can find anything we want to do in two minutes. Wait, Jason just said that listening to Derek with no picture is like talking to Surrey. So I sound like a computerized female voice. That's awesome. 
Oh, you're de- definitely just as attractive as Siri when you have no picture. You know it. <laughs> and Bye. plus, Siri is just a uh, cover name for the CIA. So, yeah, looks like the uh, the old meme popped up in my memories today. You know, I bet back in the '60s, got to be careful what I say on the phone. Government might be listening. And now we go, I got it sitting right next to me. You know, hey, listening device, what time is it? <laughs> got them all over the house now. I can't do anything in private, except mm-hmm. I have the c- cameras turned off on the units in the bathrooms. Well, that's no fun. Well, Live a little, John. Well, I already probably impressed the neighbors too much. It's not that you have the the cameras off. They just all broke the first time you went in there. (laughs) They didn't have a wide-angle enough lens, right? Exactly. Talking about my tummy. (laughs) But. All right, the show's devolving. We can go to bed now. The show started devolving about 9.06, so. Exactly. Well, like I said in the description, we weren't going to solve this problem. You decide what an American car is. Um, I think there's a a big thing to decide on that one. We know what the chicken tax is now. We've got some things to uh, research. We decide maybe I should speed every now and then. I carry this episode with me in my pocket and show the cop. Otherwise, I'm out of here. I'm going to do the same. Carry a, co- a copy of the episode in your pocket? No. I'm going to get out of here. Later, everybody. <laughs>